Hi, I'm Christina Vovis. And I'm Christine Fredheim. And this is the Friend of Jimmy podcast, a show about finally uncovering what happened to Jimmy Hoffa through the help of psychic medium Christine Fredheim in our journey to fulfill his wish to find his body. Welcome back to the Friend of Jimmy podcast, episode three, where we continue our conversation with Jimmy. I kind of want to, before I get into the heavy stuff, ask Jimmy a couple more things on the spiritual level. You said he's going to give some hints to his daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe some weird things happening around the house. Can it be something like putting a thought in someone's head or is it more... A whisper in someone's ear. You can't put anyone's thoughts. As far as I know, I don't think you can. You can manipulate by, you know, using the senses, but not to put something in your brain. I haven't come across that. I might be oblivious to it. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. I was wondering if he put that in my ear. I mean, we always talked about contacting her, but I had come across this uh, newspaper article where it said she had a dream the night that he was killed and she knew he was dead before anyone ever knew it. And she had seen him in the same exact shirt. And so once I saw that article, I thought, Ooh, maybe she has a bit of a psychic sense and maybe she'll be open to hearing us. Yeah. And then I wondered, did Jimmy put that in my ear or make me find that article that gave me the inspiration to reach out to her? He's saying yes, and he's showing me how he can communicate with the computer and not to put anything in your head, but that he helps in stuff like that to make things appear what needs to be to appear. Wow. Then I also wonder if he's has, it was just yesterday we were talking about me doing this project and this is what I want to do, but I'm also taking time off of work and it's a little scary because I'm not making any money. And um, just yesterday, this call came in to do a work from home project, which is so incredibly rare for what I do. And I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I got a call. It was when I was (laughs) back at the salon. That's the call that came in and it was my friend Siobhan that lives down the street. And it's something we've always dreamed of is like, oh, if only we could work from home out of your house. And it just sounded like the perfect project where I could shuffle it around doing this work. Amazing. And and I thought, Jimmy, did you make this happen? Did you whisper in some executive's ear? I think that we are, you know, when you're following things that make you feel good, like this passion project like this, Mm -hmm. you are uppering your energy level, which means that you're vibing on a real high frequency. So all your dreams, everything you ever want is coming into your life way easier because you're receiving it because you're following your joy, your passion, your heart. So by continuing doing this, you're going to have experiences where you're like, but I've been wanting this. Do, is this a trick? <laughs> like, what is, you know, why is everything happening at once? And I think that you're going to have a lot of offers. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like this is something that you feel good and passionate about, then it works perfectly with this. Then why not? 
So maybe it's just my own guides or spirit opening ways yeah. so that I can do things. It's you opening. Okay. Because when you're stressed out at work with a job that you don't like, everything closes, you know? Right. And that's when you're going to attract more annoying stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it is just a, a vibe thing and that you you open up for good things and it makes it easier for people like Hafa and... Uh, and other helpers to make things go smoothly. And uh, abundance is something that we humans, we need to learn to receive. And great for my producer friend. You know, she's been out of work for a while and has, is like, what's going on? And she's been practicing gratitude and all of that. And like a couple projects came in for her that day, which is a big shift from what she was having Mm, experience. The gratitude thing is something that changes immediately. When you start really practicing gratitude, your life transforms so rapidly. So that's that's really good. It's very cool to see that happening. Yeah. So he didn't do that necessarily. But I am also wondering, there is this story of Ricky Wilson owned the house that Jimmy Hoffa was shot in. Mm-hmm. And... When the book, I Heard You Paint Houses, which explains that Frank Sheeran actually killed Jimmy Hoffa, he names that house as the place of the killing. Ricky Wilson, the day he moved in, correct me if I have any of this wrong, the day he moved into that house, a waterbed exploded on the top floor, sending water running down to the bottom floor, so they had to pull up all the carpet. They would have never known there was, there was hardwood floor there. And then mm-hmm. that revealed that there were blood stains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that Jimmy? Did he break that waterbed? Yeah. And has he been doing, he must have been doing other things all along the way. Yeah. Was Absolutely. he? Was, and I do feel like the blood that they found, that it was swapped. Like they didn't want to get, because I feel like that's Jimmy's blood. Yeah. Because initially they said, no, this isn't, there's yep. blood here, but it's not Jimmy Hoffa. That feels like a lie. Yeah, because that happened many years before, and now that they're making this this movie, The Irishman, based on that book, um, mm. they I was just reading that they're actually shooting it at that actual house. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I'll send you the article. That's you haven't insane. gone to that house. No, I went to where he went missing, though, and um, where he was last seen, and... Which the is the Red Fox, right? The Red Fox restaurant? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. And then anything happened there? Absolutely nothing. It was quiet. But the funny thing is, is that I texted my psychic and I'm like, okay, I'm here. I don't feel anything. It's closed and it looks completely different to what I've seen in meditation. So I couldn't um, connect with it because in my meditation, I see it, how it used to be. So when I come there and I'm like, it's all changed, it feels, Oh, I thought it was supposed to be a door there. And why it it was just, I was more, I don't know. It was weird. And I texted her and then she's like, she was the one picking up a lot of things when I was there. So that was really funny. I think I was, um, yeah, I think I was just, uh, a bit messed up with, how it changed so much. Okay. So basically, Jimmy has told you that from that book, 
that's that's basically what happened. Frank yeah. Sharon. But I'm wondering if he He says walk- not necessarily Frank Sharon's personal story. He's like, uh-huh. that man knows how to tell himself look really good or to make himself look really good. Comes <laughs> bragging about having sex with those people on the train when he just ran away with the circus. Oh, wait, you know, in the like, tent, uh, right? In the tent, yeah. the two women. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, stories like that and how he would always win a fight, mm-hmm. always beat up people and stuff like that. And that's him just like peacocking around <laughs> but as part of the story when it comes to someone else that he respected as jimmy hoffa that's when he told the truth mm-hmm. and yeah. then i wonder if jimmy so we have it from frank sharon's viewpoint but i wonder if jimmy will walk us through what it was like for him mm-hmm. the day he was killed for anyone that doesn't know and hasn't read the book so mm-hmm. jimmy hoffa was going to meet with two people at a restaurant he was going to meet two mafia members and they never show up. Yeah. Okay. So from the restaurant, I feel really anxious and agitated and angry and frustrated and all of those really high emotions. And when they finally arrive, he is hesitated to getting into the car because he's mad and upset. Like, why are you late? Why are you making me wait? I get that just like that he's hesitating to go in. But then there are friendly faces as his stepson and Frank Sharon sits in the car, which kind of worked as not necessarily a bodyguard, but someone that Hoffa relied on as security in a way. And also um, he also worked with the mafia. So he was connected in, in all of those uh, areas and he was a big broad man really tough looking person uh, served in the war and killed hell a lot of people in his life so jimmy's there waiting the guys don't show up and then frank and chuck o'brien his mm-hmm. sort of foster son are in the car and someone yeah. else yeah and a third person so mm-hmm. J- jimmy feels safe getting in the car because yeah it's You know, it's Frank. That's like one of his best friends, right? Yeah. Okay. So Chuck basically drives them to this house. And it's only Hoffa and um, Sharon that walks out. And then they drive off. And they walk up the stairs. Because there's a few stairs outside before you reach the front door. And Sharon is walking behind Hoffa. And Hoffa walks in, and in the second he comes into the hallway, I think when I'm in Hoffa's body, when he's showing me, I I see someone in my corner of my eye, like in front in the kitchen. And that's when he's like, I think he immediately sees them as cleanup men. So he recognizes that, (sighs) oh, they're here to clean me up. So he noticed trouble right away. So he's in the hallway and he turns. And as he turns, he sees in the corner of his eye, Sharon with a gun. So he sees it and then he gets shot two times in the head. And uh, the feeling of that frustration of not having the chance to fight back was really, really strong with Hoffa. Mm -hmm. how cowardly it is to shoot someone from behind 
not a fair fight. And like, he had no, he had no chance. Like he was so helpless. Um, so he immediately flies to the floor and Sharon leaves. And I think Sharon was told that they were going to cremate him. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the people clean it up, they take him into a car and they wait till it's night and dark, which isn't that many hours. And they're connected to the building where they have uh, a place to dump the body in cement. The people cleaning up are connected to the Renaissance Center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the mafia that decided, like Russell Buffalino decided to end Jimmy, he, I think, deliberately told Frank, they're going to just, you know, um, cremate him uh, and then tell someone else, whatever, they're going to ship him in a, in, in a, what is it called? Uh, they're going to ship Container? him like pieced, yeah, pieced up somewhere. And, but actually that he wanted him as a trophy. So he put it in the building. Sorry, there's a lot of noise here all of a sudden. Can you hear it on your end? Yeah. 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 Okay. We'll just hold for a minute. It's going to pass. It's really funny that it's, um, isn't an ambulance? (laughs) No, it's a trash truck. Oh, (laughs) oh, even, even more coincidental. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh my God. That is a very coincidental timing. <laughs> wow. I won't even say coincidence. Okay. So to back up, they purposely told Frank, yes, he's going to be cremated, body dispersed, unable to be found. But Russell Buffalino mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to put him in cement in the building and then I can wave hi to him. Yep. Is that it? It's a, it's a trophy. It is a power move for him. It feels really disgusting, but yeah. it's a control over someone you never had control over before. A humiliation. And Jimmy is now in spirit form, but mm-hmm. he can see all of this happening. Yeah. So when you die, you kind of step out of your body and can still watch everything going on. Yep. Okay. So he was actually able to see them dropping his body into the Renaissance mm-hmm. Center and pouring cement. And now you just sent me that interview with Jimmy's driver. Yeah. Jimmy's longtime driver. They're calling him the weasel. <laughs> what Jimmy's driver says is he knows he's in the Renaissance Center mm. because concrete was not supposed to be poured that day. And all of a sudden, all the workers were called to the scene to pour a lot of concrete Yeah. way ahead of schedule. And he's never seen yeah. that much concrete poured. Yeah. Okay. Does Jimmy have anything else to add to that? He really wants to make that area as a place of honor instead of a place of humiliation. And that's why he really wants to have the gold plaque up there Mm -hmm. to have in memory of, you know, his first resting place so that people can honor him instead of having that as a secret humiliation. Yeah. His wish was that I would to locate his body. And then when we get him out of the wall and what he would want it after just to patch it up and what, and then 
I saw people putting flowers there and then I saw a gold plaque and I asked him, is this what you want? And he's like, yeah, I really want my name to be honored here and to kind of clear up that karma and have a place for, you know, people to, I don't know. He just wanted it to be turned around for it to be something, you know, valuable and, and special instead of something really mean and dark. And then he wants to have a proper funeral, um, have a proper burial that people are allowed to say goodbye to him. And um, that's what he wants. Okay, great. Yeah. We will try. (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) Do you see that? Yeah. It's just a little, like, nudge. And I, I feel like I'm sitting still, but then, like, someone is just, like, you know, when you hug someone and you're doing like that, uh, I don't know. Are you being weird. cradled? <laughs> it's it like you're being cradled. Like yeah, but I'm being nudged, nudged to this side for some reason. But there's, it's all good. Okay, so let's get into more. Well, a lot of these questions are already answered just from, well, you must have already known. <laughs> You and Jimmy must have already known what I wanted to ask. Yeah. Uh, it usually goes like that. Yeah. It was really interesting yesterday you were talking about when Jimmy came out of jail yeah. or prison, I guess. He went back to be president of the Teamsters with such a vengeance. And people were warning him, Frank Sheeran, you know, hey, just just let it go. You're, yeah. He's threatening well, he never, the mafia. He never got to be president again, but he wanted to, you know. And there was some talk about a contract that he was able to get an early release if he didn't um, got involved with any Teamsters. And Jimmy said he never saw that piece of paper. Mm. That was just something that was told. We're talking about Nixon pardoned Jimmy Hoffa. So Jimmy got out of jail early. Fitzsimmons, the president of the Teamsters, had a deal with Nixon. Yeah. So they got, they got Jimmy out of prison and Jimmy wasn't the same person when he came out. He was in such a traumatic experience that I'm so sure that he had PTSD from, from that. And if you listen to interviews with Jimmy talking about how his life in prison was, as it is for a lot of people out there, you will have an effect on your mentality And the Jimmy that got into prison was not the same man that walked out of the prison. I think he was very affected and he had a lot of anger and he had a lot of frustration and just that whole, you know, you want to do revenge because of Robert. Robert Kennedy was the one that started this whole trial of trying to get Jimmy into prison and so when he when Jimmy came out, I do think that he would have tantrums and that he would be really, really um, unpredictable and don't take no for an answer. I don't think he ever was, but I, I feel like that calm side of Jimmy was gone. That prison really, really ruined him. And when he got out, it was just a way of him wanting to take back everything he lost. And I don't think he was rational about it at all. I just think he wanted it to happen um, his way real fast. 
Mm. And um, I think that scared a lot of people, seeing how famous he still was, how many contacts he still had, and how much power was in his name. And right. uh, having Jimmy back on the Teamsters wouldn't be good for the mafia because then wouldn't loan out that amount of money that Fitz did, wouldn't be as helpful and wouldn't be such a doormat um, to running, you know, the business. Right. And and I believe I've read his children were worried about him at the time because he was threatening, hey, I'm going to expose the mafia and reading about it. It's like, Jimmy, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it's the mafia. Yeah. Your, your best friend who's a hitman is giving you hints saying. Yeah. But he didn't have fear. He did not feel fear. And that's what happens to you when you're really angry Mm -hmm. And you're looking for revenge and all that adrenaline from PTSD as well. Mm -hmm. You're not going to tap into being scared. You're going to tap into power and ego. And that's not going to be rational. Yeah. Yeah. Because reading the book, I'm like, why is he ignoring <laughs> all these yeah. hints? Like it's yeah. uh, so that explains it. I'm curious. Does he like the 1992 movie Hoffa? He loves it. He loves it, yeah. yeah. And, did and it he... was so easy to work with both of them, both uh, Danny and with Jack, because of they were so um, open to Jimmy's story. So it had a good flow to it. So he was working with them as they were making yep. the movie. Yep. So they were actually channeling, would you say? I would say Jack definitely, yeah. Does Jack know that, or is it just instinctual? Hmm, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I think we were going to have to ask him that when the time's right. Okay, we'll have to ask Jack about his process. <laughs> yes, I would love to talk to Jack. <laughs> Jack, if you're listening... <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Friend of Jimmy podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss an episode. Yes. In our next episode, we get some special instructions from Jimmy. Stay tuned. You're going to want to hear it.